I stole one pillow in my hotel room because it was matching perfectly for me to take the paste notes during the, the rickies. The good size, the good shape, the good color, everything. I did stole it and you know what? It was in 2009, we are in 2021. I'm gonna finish in Monza with this pillow. During no! all those years, this pillow has been with me and I will drive to Monza to be sure that I will put it in my car and I, it will not be lost, get lost in a, in a plane or in a train or whatever. Uh, you have used it. Have you used it for every rally? Every so single rally. Oh my yep. good God. I remember um, that was the first time I met Michelle Mouton as well. Uh, we walked into the lunchroom and, and she walked up to me and I was so starstruck. I just, for the first moment, I didn't do anything. <laughs> just was there. So much so that then she introduced herself to me and told me her name. <laughs> and then I felt like a real idiot because then I was like, oh no, now she thinks I don't know who she is. And oh. <laughs> Welcome to WRC Backstories, our exclusive World Rally Championship podcast presented by Bex Williams. We are back. Welcome everyone to the 2022 season of the WRC Backstories podcast. Again, we'll be delving into the lives of the great and the good around the WRC service park and sometimes outside of it as well this year. With two seasons already completed, we have learned much from our competing crews, engineers and legends of the sport. Who knew that eight-time World Rally Champion co-driver Julian Ingrassia had his own special pillow to make pace notes on that he stole from Rally Cyprus in 2009? That story went viral. Or that the Volkswagen Rally car was almost a beetle instead of a polo, as revealed to us by tech guru FX de Maison. I cannot wait to discover more this season, and as ever, you, the listener, are an integral part of our podcast. We have loved your feedback and you can reach out to us anytime using the WRC Live hashtag across social media. So, on to episode one of season three and a no-brainer for me on who would kickstart our series. With one win already under his belt this year, he leads the championship and has been one of the most talked about names in the past few years. Impressive, super fast, young, star of the future, all words we've used to describe him. It's time to find out a little bit more about Kale Rovampera, the 21-year-old who encompasses the phrase flying fin. Despite his youth, he's no new kid on the block, as you're about to find out. Kale, it's great to see you. It seems like ages since Sweden, such a long gap in WRC events. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing great, thank you. And uh, and yeah, it has been quite a long gap now, so looking forward to be driving again. Yeah, I know, I bet you are. I'm looking forward to being commentating again on WRC, although ERC has been keeping me pretty busy recently. Uh, now, I'm really delighted that we're going to chat to you about your life on, on the Backstories podcast. I know, you know, you're still a very young competitor, uh, but you have such an incredible story to tell. And I think a lot of people will already know bits and pieces of it, you know, thanks to Red Bull and that incredible little mini documentary they put out about you. Um, but there's obviously bits and pieces that we, we don't know. And this is kind of getting to know you a little bit better. So I'm going to ask you the same question I ask everyone at the start, which is describe yourself in three words. Okay, that's a, always a nice question, but uh, I would say... I'm quite calm mm -hmm. and uh, fast and uh, 
happy usually at least. I like those words. It's a good word. Definitely fast. <laughs> Definitely calm. And it's it's funny because we, you know, I've kind of met you or been introduced to you over the years within WRC2. But when you stepped up to WRC, it was very much in like the COVID period, wasn't it? So it's been really difficult, I think, to get to know drivers, especially behind the mask, every time we speak to them. So I'm kind of looking forward to this, to getting to know you a little bit more. Um, I hope you are too. Are you ready to share your life story with me, Callie? You're going to share everything, yeah? <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm ready for it. And I think it's now nice to do it. Like you said, it has been a few years without not so much media stuff and, and nothing special, really, only driving and always masks on. So... It's yeah, and that's been really weird. I think for all of us, I'm kind of liking the fact that we're actually getting to see people's faces now and, and see smiles and everything. It's, it's really nice. So take me back because I knew obviously your father before I knew you. I was interviewing your father just after you were born. Thankfully, not before you were born. I'm so glad I can say that. I'm not quite that old. Um, I want to know, you know, growing up, what's your earliest memory of of being around motorsport really when you were younger? I think my first memories what I can really like remember are from, uh, I believe it's like Rally Finland test mm. where dad was driving. Yeah. I, and I remember I was, uh, maybe it was 2004 or something. And uh, I was actually going into the stage with him. Uh, and I was, I was not even co-driving. I was sitting on his lap and, uh, and he was just, doing the stage quite, uh, quite slowly. And, uh, and yeah, actually my cousin was co-driving and all three were in the car and driving there. And I think that's something what I, what I remember not so well, but I remember that it has happened. That's a great, that's a great memory to have, isn't it? And you know, that that's such an early age for you to be, to be involved. And I guess, you know, in, in a way, and many people I'm sure will think this, it was always your, you know, your destiny to kind of be behind the wheel. What was it like, though, growing up surrounded by motorsport the way you were? It must have just seemed completely normal for you because I guess you didn't know any different. Yeah, I would say it was always, always not the, if not the plan, but it was always the way to go. And I didn't need to think so much anything else. Of course, when I was younger, I did also other things with my friends and, uh, and other hobbies, but uh, but always motorsports and rally was was the main thing to do and and yeah when i when i grew up into it all the time more and more um, it just became more normal and more natural all the time i didn't need to really think about it so much i just yeah. always did it and it went quite well so what other things were you getting up to with your friends then in the young years what other kind of hobbies were you doing um just Quite normal ones like skiing on, on winter time. At one point I did that quite a lot. And then uh, then yeah, also when I had this one one year of gap not, not driving, I I did everything else, driving with mopeds and, and skiing and playing computer games, normal <laughs> stuff. What yeah. did you do when you're 13 years old or I don't remember how old I was. Uh, now Finland is always quoted as being like 
the happiest place in the world, the best place to live, all these kind of surveys that are done. If you want to be happy in life, live in Finland. And you've got this incredible schooling system as well. So I'm guessing growing up was, you know, despite being surrounded by cars, which is always happy, obviously, it's a happy upbringing in a great country. What was school like for you? Were you good at school? Were you were you very studious? Were you a bit of a SWAT, as we call them here in the UK? Yeah. No, I was not so keen on the school, really. Um, I was not maybe bad either. I would say I was in the middle of it. Um, yeah, I didn't really, of course, when I was younger, your mom is pushing you to do good grades and stuff. I did it. But uh, but yeah, then I, when I started to get older, I do more rally and more hobbies and I was busy doing something else. I was maybe not not the best student, I, I would say like this. And uh, and yeah, basically every winter when we got the first snow in, mm. in Uvascula, I I always skip the school day when the snow is coming and I drive the whole day with the ATV. So, yeah. That's brilliant. I love that. That's great. Snow day. That's it. Forget the school. I'm going out yeah. on the ATV. Even the, yeah, even my parents didn't really, yeah, they just accept it. They are like, okay, you can be sick today. <laughs> good. You got good parents, definitely. Yeah. Did, did they kind of accept from an early age, Calais, that, motorsport was a direction you wanted to go in were they you know obviously with your dad's background did he push you a little or did he was he like I'm gonna leave him do whatever he wants I don't want to you know influence him in any way and, and did your mum say no nope, you're, you're not getting by the wheel of a car um yeah I think uh the best thing was that they was like never pushing me into those mm-hmm. things they always support me or supported me to do what I what I want to do it didn't need to be rally or motorsports, but then, uh, yeah, for sure. I think mom in the in the beginning was uh, was a bit uh, skeptical with rally driving when I was so young. Um, yeah. But yeah, dad was never really pushing me. He always just said to me that if you want to drive, he will he will try to make it possible. And if I don't want to drive, then we don't need to go driving. Well, yeah, that's the best way to be, though, isn't it? You know, no one's pushing you to do. It's always it's up to you. Now, I I mentioned that that Red Bull kind of documentary that we saw on your life and and you at a really young age behind the wheel and in the snow. How old were you when you were in that car? I can't remember what car it was now. Um, I think it was maybe the blue Toyota Starlet. (laughs) <laughs> and yeah, that was yeah, that was maybe the first videos what came out of me driving. It was uh, I think the videos are from the first and second winter of driving, and uh, okay. yeah, I started eight years old, and and yeah, I think that is the, the age in the video. I'm I I think I'm eight like most of the time in the video. It's crazy to think that you know my my niece is eight right now, and I can't imagine her doing anything quite as as fantastic as that really I mean eight years of age and you were giving feedback on the setup of the car as well that's I think that's what blew my mind okay you're behind the wheel you're having fun but you're like oh yeah this this isn't working whatever you kind of understood or you could feel the car which at that age that's incredible yeah I think everything started going quite well and and we were not really even training on the setup stuff or anything we were just like doing laps after laps and driving and enjoying. I had almost always my cousin or my my friends with me in the car. Mm. We were just enjoying and, and having really fun. Um, but yeah, I think then at some point we always start to discuss about about the car, how it works, 
what it could do differently and and yeah and i remember like dad never really teach me like he told me the basic things of driving a car and rally but mm-hmm. he never teach me anything special when i was like young he just said to me that go drive and have fun and then at one point he was coming co-driving me in the car and i was using left foot braking all the time and then he was just asking like where did did you get that one because he didn't tell me to do it and then i just said you always do it in the videos also (laughs) exactly you're following him from watching all the videos you mentioned the toyota starlet i can't believe i couldn't remember it was that because that is my favorite rally car um i don't really mention it very much because some people will say a starlet starlet it's a it's a girl's car is what i was told years ago because we used to have loads of them in the uk that were like pink and purple or whatever but i've done a lot of rallying in ireland and in barbados and they're kind of you know they're big there they're souped up huge engines they make this incredible noise i absolutely love them and i noticed when i was looking back at some of your stats obviously the starlet is where you started with your rally sprint stuff why the starlet was it just a car that the family had or was it selected for you um i think uh, the first the blue one was just a car which was available i think from from dad's friend um uh, he got it he he knew that it's quite easy car to, to drive and easy to maintain and stuff it was mm. not too expensive at that time and and yeah actually even the car which i started competing in the rally sprints is different car but it's also a starlet we we got a next car uh, i had a small crash with the first one <laughs> how small was this crash kelly it was quite small but yeah i had, I had my first roll um with the blue one and how then old the blue... were you was that when you were eight or nine um, no it was maybe the the winter when i was nine or ten okay so few few winters after um and yeah basically it was the whole uh, whole day i was driving again with somebody else and then the last run of the day that was opening because we were driving on a stage in a forest which was fully iced and then we were trying to get a bit more grip because when it's fully iced it's always a bit more slippy and that was opening a lot of free point clicks on the rear uh, to gain the grip and he was coming to go drive for that run and then then in one one breaking i just lose the rear completely because the body was moving a bit differently than before and then we just had a small roll. It was not a big one, but but the but the body cell was already quite old and not so good condition. So we we got the new one. And actually, oh. I actually have the the second one. I still have. Okay. And I sometimes use it, like few years ago, and now it has actually been uh, under rebuilding now one and a half years, and I will try to do some racing with it it has now a new engine and everything it'll be really cool oh my god tell me when you're gonna ra- i'm gonna come and see that i want to yeah. see that starlet in action what size engine are you going to put in it um it's gonna be 1.6 liter but it's coming from uh from corolla so okay. it will be quite much more power than the original starlet engine and uh and yeah there is everything new, suspension and brakes and everything. So it should be quite a lot faster than what <laughs> I would think so. Yeah, there's still time for us to be able to change Toyota's mind and switch from the Yaris to a WRC Starlet, I reckon. We've still yeah. got time. 
we can do it. <laughs> so you're doing, you know, these sprint events and you're you know, 10, 11 years of age. I'm guessing like the, the balance between competing and, and the, the schoolwork was kind of a bit off were you were you just more focused completely on that than than going to school other than obviously the snow days when you weren't um I wouldn't say at that point it was not so like bad yet I didn't drive so much we went always to train just sometimes and then went to Estonia for these these races the first few years mm. um where it was allowed to drive sprints underage and and yeah basically at that time i didn't really concentrate on the driving so much like i just went into the car and i i drove the heat and then i was playing with my friends or whatever on the on the paddock and then just went to drive again so it was not so not so busy at that time but then yeah it started to get a bit more uh, professional all the time after that <laughs> so when did it when did it click in your head and you thought okay this is this is actually what i I want to do you know I don't want to be an astronaut anymore or whatever you wanted to be did you do you have anything in mind actually that you wanted to be oh not really I didn't no? I didn't even think that I I really like want to be a rally driver I think I I never had any any big dreams to come nothing maybe for sure when I was five I I said I want to be something but I cannot remember <laughs> It's really fascinating because, you know, during all that time when you, when you were younger and you're competing, you're, you're going to rally Finland, I'm guessing, every year. Or was, was that not a thing? It was? Yeah, yeah. yeah we went with quite a big, uh, big group, like all the family and, and relative and friends. And we went there every year. So aside from your dad, who was your hero growing up in rallying? Who did you look to and think, yeah, they're pretty special? Um, to be honest, I didn't, didn't really have any. I think, uh, yeah, for sure, dad was always the one which uh, which meant which meant the most to me. But I, like after that, when I started driving myself, I didn't really think or look up to somebody so much. I always followed all the drivers, and and maybe in my head I was already thinking that I want to be like them, but not really idolizing that like them so much yeah maybe that was the case because I was already driving myself and I was just focusing maybe on, on myself already I don't know so you were you know when you're out in the stage of spectating I guess you were really analyzing the different lines the breaking points maybe more than others who were just soaking up the sound and the excitement of it were you looking for for things that you could learn from maybe yeah of course like uh like my friends were always quite much older than me, um, especially from the family side. And, and they also knew, knew something about rallying, following it a lot. And I remember when I was even really young, we always discussed how every driver was coming out of the corner and, and breaking into the junction and stuff. So, so yeah, for sure we were following a lot what they do. And, and yeah, I think uh, I always was cheering and looking up to the to the guys who were the fastest in, in the rally where I was watching. You know, you have, you know, being a Finnish and, and be a, a famous rally dad as well, you, you have great access, I'm guessing, to, to be able to go and chat with other drivers, co-drivers, people within rally, because it's such a huge thing in Finland. Did, do you feel, you know, not that you had an advantage because of that, but... Was that a nice world to be in, to be able to access lots of different things that maybe someone who wasn't in your position couldn't, someone who was coming up without any motorsport background? 
Of course, it's uh, I always remember quite well when I when I was young and dad was not driving anymore. Mm. And we went to Rally Finland. Of course, we we went to see I think almost every team and and the guys and and all the Finnish drivers and even the other ones. So so yeah, for sure I was always always following with him and going to the places and and just enjoying quite a lot like uh, to see all this scenes and and the people and to see what they do yeah no i must have been quite an incredible time okay so it, it gets more serious then motorsport is getting more serious in your teenage years and you're far more focused you head to latvia to be able to compete because you can compete there from six, 15 or 16. yeah from latvia we we start 2013 so i was oh, 12. 12. Yeah, when I did my first rally. 12. I'm trying desperately to try and compete that in my head. You were 12. That's such a young age to be able to compete. Tell me about that first event. What car was it in? Um, it was uh, Citroën R2. Yeah. Um, so that was the proper first proper rally car, what we got. We, we drove a few years training with that, and then we went to the... Um, to the first rally and uh, Risto Pietilainen was co-driving me, um, old co-driver of dad when he yeah. was professional and uh, and yeah it was quite a fun weekend. I remember not so much from it but I just remember that uh, I don't know why but we did we did quite well and then I cannot remember the reason but I, I became really sick before the before the last stage. Um, I was really sick on the road section. I oh, was no. uh, I was feeling sick and and stuff. I and then Risto was already like, I think it's it's not safe to drive anymore because I was puking in the in the bushes and and stuff. And I was like, if for sure we do the last stage, it's not an issue. And and yeah, then we drove the last stage. Also, it was a bit of fighting in the car, but then at the end, it was nice to finish the first rally. And, uh, and yeah, we did well anyway. That's great that Risto was alongside you because, you know, the voice of experience and, and familiar as well, obviously, to you, to the family. How much did you learn from him in, you know, the whole process of being able to put pace notes together? Because it, you know, it's quite something, you know, a lot of drivers who, who start off in, in club rallies are given already, you know, tulips or they're given the, the pace notes effectively. But to be able to start to make your own, when did you start doing that? Um. Yeah, of course, it was really big help. Tristo was there, and uh, and yeah, I always really enjoyed driving with him because he was really, really like uh, calm, and yeah. he was he was just so nice and and chill in the car that we always <laughs> had really good feeling. And uh, I remember he was just him being there was calming me down quite a lot when I was young, and uh, and yeah. In the beginning, I couldn't do any pace notes because for sure I didn't know how to do them and I couldn't drive in the recce. So basically dad was driving and he made the pace notes um, and then Risto was in the back seat, um, writing them down and, and then on the second pass he was reading them and I was just co-driving in the car and, and seeing the stage myself, couldn't drive. And then, yeah, then when we came with the rally car flat out from that space notes, it was not the optimal almost, but uh, <laughs> but it was good fun. 
that must be so weird i hadn't even thought of that of course you couldn't drive on the recce no. uh, yeah that must have been pretty frustrating for you i'm sure to be sat in the co-driver's seat effectively just looking and and taking it all in with your eyes but not be able to be behind the wheel to feel it yeah of course it was and then uh, then like dad had his own style of pace notes for sure it was fine for me at that time because i didn't know anything else but uh but yeah it was the old style of doing pace notes with the speed and not the angle of the corner okay um, but in Baltics, it works quite well. Usually in fast rallies, it works quite well. Uh, but yeah, for sure, you, it's difficult when you can drive the racing line and, and see the corners and feel mm. it. And, and then when you come with the rally car, you need to do it first time fast. It's, <laughs> it was not so easy always. Um, but yeah, we had to do like this um, the first years. And then at some point in, in Latvia, I could get like a training license when I was younger. Mm. And then I could start to drive uh, with Risto as my teacher <laughs> and we, we could drive on the road. <laughs> That's so bizarre, isn't it? That's <laughs> so mad to even think about that. Uh, so driving in Latvia, you did quite a lot of, um, which is, is so many drivers have done that process, you know, because it's, you know, great when you're young to be able to go there and drive. Tell me when it kind of, not clicked because obviously you knew at that point what you wanted to do but getting the wheels in motion to secure you drives or to secure you sponsorship how do you how how did you get on that kind of path so yeah even in the rally like first few years it was not so clear for me that this is the thing i want to do but then of oh, it course, still wasn't so it's still even then in Latvia, it still wasn't clear that you absolutely wanted to be no, a rally driver no. No, not the first year, so okay. uh, for sure I knew that I like it and stuff, but then we were just driving it. I was doing other stuff when I was home and, and stuff. But yeah, then after a few years when we start to really, really be fast and, and fight with the, with the older guys and stuff, I, then I start to feel the, the enjoyment of, of fighting and being fast and trying to beat, beat your, uh, your opponents and then that's when I really started to, to like rally and started to think that this is what I want to do. When I get the first <laughs> taste, like a uh, taste of, uh, of really winning and, and being good. Yeah, that competitive edge, that spirit yeah. kind of, it's, yeah, I can imagine it's kind of infectious and you just, yeah, you want to keep hold of that. And, and your parents, like you say, at the start, even in your younger years, they were, you know, hands off, you, you do what you want. Was your dad taking more of a kind of driving role in your career when he knew that this is what you actually wanted to do? Yeah, he was always managing in the beginning uh, all the sponsors and stuff, uh, which is really important in, mm. in a rally where you, you need to have a proper budget to drive. And then, uh, then yeah, basically with, uh, with already when we start to have the, the Citroen, when we get the, that one, it was quite expensive, like proper rally car. I think uh, dad and Timo was already at that time starting to do some cooperation on my side also, because of course, Timo Jokki was dad's manager also, so yeah. they know each other. And then, yeah, Timo was watching me to drive and, and saying that, okay, we need to... <laughs> To see what this kid can do also so. <laughs> yeah he was saying i want him 
I mean, Timo, Timo Yoki is going to go on forever, isn't he? He's produced some incredible, you know, helped some incredible talents over the years. You know, what a kind of career he's had as well. Definitely need to get him on this podcast, I think, at some point to chat. Was there, did you, when did you start to feel, or maybe you didn't, any kind of pressure when Timo Yoki is coming into play? You're looking for sponsors, you're competing, but maybe in your mind, you're still not altogether sure this is what you want to do. Did you feel any pressure at all at that point in your very young career? Um, I remember I didn't really, in Latvia times at least, I didn't really feel so much pressure. I always, I think I just went into the competition, not maybe so confident, but not really stressed about anything that I will just go there and do my best. I knew that I, I already know how to drive and, and do my job. Um, but yeah, of course, when people start to follow you more and you start to have proper competition and tough fights, you start to feel the excitement and, and pressure a bit more. But I think at that point, I didn't really feel it so much. Um, I remember one time we had we had this uh, like a tryout shootout thing with uh, with Timo and and few other drivers also. And I remember there also, I knew that I'm competing against the guys with the same car and the same stage, we compare the data and see what, what everybody can do. And then, uh, then yeah, even there I was, I was quite chill. And, and yeah, I also did quite well, so I didn't need to stress about anything so much. <laughs> I think quite chill is definitely the two words that describe you best. From, from my experience of you, I haven't seen you yet stressed at all in, in your career. There's only one moment where I saw you a little bit agitated, but we'll come to that later, much, much later. Tell me when the co-driver changed happened. So Risto did a number of events with you, but then it changed. Was it maybe le much later on to Jona Haltonen? How and why did it change? Um, so basically, yeah, we, we knew that uh, the younger co-drivers and guys who are like, doing it now or at that time um, they know a bit better the new pace note system like what my dad and Risto was not using and we knew that it's something what should be good for me to, to change to and uh, also Risto was getting a bit older at that point and we, we knew that if I, I start to or we start to go professional it will be maybe a bit bit longer career at, or at hopefully we will do many years. So then at some point, we just thought that it's it's better to, to change now and not when we are already professional. If we need to change for some reason at that point, it's always more difficult. Yeah. So yeah, that was basically the reason to to update my my knowledge of the base notes to to the newer level and just have a, a bit younger guy with me. So your relationship with Iona seems, yeah, fantastic from what we can see, you know, from, from being in the service park, from television coverage. How did you find each other? Did you know him already? No, we didn't, didn't know him before. Um, I don't know even how it really went. Maybe dad was asking from, from somebody who are good co-drivers in Finland or, or some, something like this. And then, yeah, we did one... Uh, one, I think it was tire test maybe for Pirelli or something like this. We did a few 
test days and we just think that okay we can we can try this this yonne guy and and see how it works <laughs> yonne uh, guy like yeah. it <laughs> and we, because we didn't know him personally before and uh, yeah then we did few days of testing everything went great we already chat a bit about things what they do nowadays in in the base notes and, and stuff and and yeah he seemed like a cool guy um and yeah i think after that we we start to discuss that uh does he want to start to co-drive for me and and what we could do together yeah it is definitely a relationship which which, which seems to work which is good and it seemed like you know i remember even back in our radio days we were chatting about you when you were competing in latvia and or, you know, the up and coming kind of stars of the future, who are we going to see? Your career seemed to accelerate quite quickly from that into WRC2. And was that a bit of a, well, not surprise for you, because you kind of, you're on this path, you know what you're you're doing, but was it a bit of a shock to the system to change from, from comp- competing in Latvia to then competing effectively on the world stage? Of course, it was quite a big change because I didn't have so much experience from from elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, I think 2017 we did uh, our first Finnish championship event uh, with R5, and that was actually quite interesting weekend. I remember that time was the first time when I maybe not really felt so much pressure, but I felt that now there is really really the chance to to show what we can do because I remember. All the people were saying that in that level of the competition is not high and and stuff like this. That now we can we can really see if he's fast or not. And uh, <laughs> and yeah, it was really good fun when we went to the first Finnish Championship event. Actually, Jonne was co-driving there with with uh, with Teemu Asuma, who was fighting with me uh, on the win. So that was the first time I was competing against Jonne. And uh, and yeah, I only did this. This event in Finland, it went went well. We we showed everybody we can we can do it. We had a puncture even, and we still still won the event, and uh, that was really nice. Then I think everybody saw that we can really drive, and in Latvia the level is also good. Um, yeah. Then we went to Italy in 2017 for some tarmac driving. Mm. Um, that was quite difficult to be honest. First time on tarmac with with new car, we changed the car also. Um, good learning, not really so easy. I think only the last rally of the year in which was ERC Rome. Yeah. But I couldn't drive the ERC. I was too young, but I was driving the national event. And yeah, I think that was the first first event that year where we did some somewhat well with the car and and the driving. But yeah. Then going to Wales first time, that was that was quite tricky. <laughs> what an event to kind of make your debut on in the World Championship. It's got to be one of the the most trickiest because the surface is so difficult to understand with, especially if it's rained and there's this, it's so difficult to describe to people this kind of layer of greasiness, which is on top of the gravel. Um, yeah, that was... Uh, that was a baptism of fire, huh? As an event for you to start on. Yeah, it was, and uh, and yeah, we also changed to. We were driving with M Sport Fiesta. Yeah. Um, at that time, and I I only got one. I think one event that we did in Latvia before uh, before Wales with the car, and I was not so 
confident with the car and, and everything then when going to Wales and still a bit new car and, and uh, trying to do new setup for the new car and, and be confident in the car was tricky. I remember it was really, really difficult weekend. But yeah, anyway, we, we made it through somewhat. We and had some, but, uh, but yeah, anyway, it was good. I remember that, you know, the, the, the eyes of the world were on you as well. You know, here you are at such a young age, Harry Rov and Pera's son. And I think a lot of people had these, you know, expectations of what you could deliver um, and maybe higher expectations than you could deliver because of your age. There's always going to be some people who are like, yes, he's going to be brilliant. And other people who are going to be like, we can't wait to see him fall because he's such a big name already. There are always people like that in the world, whatever you do. And I remember thinking at the time on your first event, how well you handled yourself at such a young age and how mature you seemed. And I, I remember being kind of really impressed by that. And especially when things were going wrong, you know, as you said, it was a tough event and you could have easily just kind of thrown your hands up in the air, but no, no, you just, carried on, kept your head down and, and did what you had to do. And I found that really, really impressive. Um, but what was the experience like being around the world championship and other people? Did you feel their eyes on you or were you just focused on what you were doing? Of course, in, in that weekend, I, I really felt, <laughs> felt the eyes because there was big, uh, big uh, push from everywhere. Everybody was watching and, and following me all the time. And then, uh, then yeah, basically it was quite tricky weekend. A lot of hassle and, uh, and everything. But then, uh, then at the end, we, well, I think on Sunday, we already did some, some okay stage time with the car. Uh, and I started to feel the car a bit better and understand the, the rally also. But yeah, it was difficult. We had some some tough times that weekend, but yeah, we we just continue. We knew that it's it's gonna be tricky. So so yeah, you could really feel in that event that everybody was following what we do. <laughs> yeah, we, had, we all were. We all were. Um, and it was. I think it was an interesting time because you know there was a lot of chat about where you would go, where you would end up, what team would try and grab you because you're obviously this huge talent and you know, to, you know, keep going with, you know, encourage your talent, which team would, would take you. What was going on behind the scenes at that point? Because as you said, that first rally was with M Sport. Was there chat with the team about the future there? What was going on behind the scenes that maybe we didn't see? Um, of course there was. I think, uh, especially that time, I was even less involved about that. I think yeah. Timo, was, Timo was doing all the work and... Uh, and uh, we just drove, uh, drove with the, with the car, and and yeah, I think he was chatting with with everybody. I think about about everything. I I don't know, but uh, but yeah. Then uh, then at some point end of the year, we we heard that we are going going to Skoda for the for the next years, and we yeah we did a few rallies end of 2017 with Amsport, and then yeah then we start in the in the new team next year. Yeah, and that was a great time in your career with Skoda and, and doing the WRC2 Championship because it still is now. It's such a great training ground because you're up against drivers who are pushing themselves to the absolute limit. Um, how did you find those years? Um, 
I found it really, really good for me. Um, Skoda was known that they are really professional and mm. like even their WC2 team, they, they are really like a factory team with the resources and, and engineering work and everything is really, really good. So I think the biggest biggest thing for me was to go into a team like this to, to see what you do in a professional team, how you do the things and, uh, and also to really see what we need to do with the engineers and and uh, and stuff. So I think that was the biggest learning curve of the of the two years to really know how to work in a team like that. And of course, with with Skoda, we drove a lot of kilometers on on testing and uh, stuff like this. So so you get really used to the to the car and driving, and that is the best training what you can do. Now, obviously, you've been around cars for for a very long time. How is your mechanical skills? I'm guessing they're right up there. If I brought my car to you now for a service, you can have it done in 30 minutes, yeah? It depends what we've done. <laughs> no, no uh, for sure, with Skoda, it, it was good. We, we went even to the factory to only train what we can do and fix in the car. So for sure, with, with those times, we, we learned, the, learned the car and how to change the stuff and spare parts what we have in the car with us. Um, but also, I think uh, many young guys like me are even better in the mechanical stuff because I was in the professional teams so early that I didn't yeah. really need to build my car myself. So, so yeah, that's always a good thing and can be a bad thing if you need to do something really difficult. But yeah, overall, of course, I always try to know know many things about the car so if you have some issue we we can try to solve it with Yone. Yeah and how is Yone in terms of his mechanical skills is he good? Yeah I think he's also he's been doing stuff when he was younger quite a lot by himself on on the really like low level of motorsport I think they were really fixing their cars themselves and stuff in the beginning so yeah he also knows how to how to do the work and sometimes we have fixed it Something I <laughs> it's it's so fascinating for me because you know when you guys do or any drivers have a bit of an issue out on the stages you're like oh yeah well we know like for example Elvin Evans is is a really good mechanic and he can probably fix anything and it used to be the same with with Miko Haven and back in the day he'd say to me you know I can fix anything mechanical if it's got an engine if it's got a motor I can fix it washing machine whatever just give it to me I, I can sort it and some people are just in that mind. And I know he builds his, his own cars now and fixes up American cars. Are you interested in that kind of thing, in kind of vintage cars, fixing up your own cars? Or do you not kind of bother with that? Too much work? Um, You're too busy at the minute, to be honest, to be doing anything, I guess. Yeah, I'm, I'm too busy for sure. But, uh, but I'm always, I'm not maybe so much interested about doing it myself, but I'm really interested about like the technical side of, of the cars or maybe not so much like rally cars because I have always just been thinking that I leave it to the guys who know it better than me. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but yeah, my own cars, if I have some some drift cars or whatever, I always want to know how everything works. And, and I, I'm really, really happy that I have good friends with our, which are really good mechanics and they are always helping me. And, uh, and yeah, with them, I, I always try to follow what they do and why, why we do the stuff. And, and together, we, we built the cars. Yeah. 
okay some brilliant years with Skoda which which you obviously enjoyed and you you had the ultimate success there really and then it was already at your young age it was time to move on and we were all questioning when you would step up into a WRC car which team you would go to I want to know about the behind the scenes chat and how it ended up to be Toyota and how long you knew that it was going to be Toyota before you got there um so yeah basically I think Timo started to do the work quite early um and I think he was doing mainly the the biggest work all the time. He was, of course, he was speaking with me that what I want to do, mm. and uh, and uh, of course asking my opinion also to everything. But I I just trusted that he knows knows the best <laughs> because he knows. <laughs> and uh, and yeah, then I just uh, left it to to him to do to do all the all the work behind the scenes. And of course, I went to. To speak with with the team bosses also at that time with with him in some races we went to say say hi to them and and then yeah at some point he was just like uh, yeah I think we have few options what we mm-hmm. want to do and then together we decided to to go to Toyota and uh, and yeah I knew it already quite early um, how early. I think we were quite sure already, if I'm being correct, we were quite sure already like 2018, okay. uh, end of the year. I cannot say because I don't remember at mm. what time we really make the, the make the contract and stuff. But I would say at that time we were already speaking with them, and I think at 2000, I think it was already 2018, end of the year, where we knew that it's it's gonna happen. Now. You mentioned Timo Yoki said we, we have a few options. Did did he mean by that that every team pretty much wanted you? Um, I think at least, uh, yeah, I think there was discussions with every team, but I don't think maybe at that time. I think they were not so sure. Um, maybe all the teams, but at least uh, I can say a few of them. There was only three, so I can say which one maybe not. But but I think yeah. At least few of them had the option option to take a new driver in. That must have been a, a good confidence boost for you at that point. I mean, you you knew what your skills were. We saw how fantastic you were within WRC2. But to, to have that then confirmed by the teams wanting you to step up already into a WRC drive, was that a confidence boost for you? Are you the kind of driver that... That, that feels that that needs that confidence boost or do you just go on by by feel of your own results and your competition or do you need someone to tell you you know yeah you're doing great um of course it it sounded good that they are interested and they they want me to drive um and yeah then uh, then were a lot of Talking and of course I was not sure because I I was not sure what was waiting for me in in the WC car but I was mm. I was quite sure that if I go there I can I can start to drive the car well I I didn't really have any doubts on that but then then for sure there was uh, 2019 beginning of the season we had some crashes and and not so good results and then already somebody started to say that okay he's not ready next year and stuff like this. Of course. And then, yeah, and then yeah, then I think we won 
four or five events in a row and then then i was i was quite confident for sure we are ready for it and and uh, yeah then uh, like timo said already quite early in i remember just not to me but in some i in some interview he said that yeah if Kalle goes there he will he will be on the podium speed in in, in few rallies and i was like yeah it sounds quite good. Hopefully, he's he's, uh, he's true and he knows what he's saying. So <laughs> we have to see how it goes. Well, he did know what he was saying because you were on the podium in 2020 at Rally Sweden, and that's the year I remember seeing you for the first time a little bit not stressed, not angry, but a bit peeved because you I can't remember was it Ogier you were battling with for position on Rally? Yes, it was. Mm-hmm. And you'd lot you'd missed out like by a couple of seconds, and we were doing a meet the cruise at the end of day two, whatever it was, and you were kind of like, ah, I'm so angry with myself for you know missing out on these couple of seconds, losing position. And I'm like, what are you talking about? You're on the podium. <laughs> You're still on the podium, but you were so hard on yourself. And I remember thinking, oh, he's really tough on himself. But I haven't seen that since. It was only in that occasion. And yeah. was it was it because it was like the first crack at the podium? Yeah, of course. You want, yeah, you want to get it as soon as possible. And and I think in that year it was because I I think I stole the car at least like two times. Yeah, I stole the car two times in in a junction or somewhere um, in a few stages, and mm. those are the worst seconds that you can lose stalling the car. Yeah, <laughs> and, and that's why I was angry. I was like. I'm just making it more difficult for myself all the time. <laughs> I don't need to do that. It's, it's already difficult enough. And and yeah, but that gave me a really good boost for the Sunday then to, to really, really push. And see yeah. Yeah. And it was great. I mean, you third position overall at Rally Sweden. And it was like, he's already on the podium. What on earth? You know, when is the first wind going to come through? You know, as soon as <laughs> journalists don't give people, don't give drivers a chance, because as soon as you're on the podium, then we're talking about when the first wind is going to come. And it's like pressure, pressure, pressure. You need to get better, better, quicker, quicker, faster. I mean, I, I don't know how you guys kind of put up with that. Hopefully I'm a bit of a realistic journalist and don't say all that kind of stuff. But it's there and you can you can read it in magazines, you hear it on the TV, it's all around you that, okay, now you've got that, but we want you to get better now. We want we want this, we want more, we want more. Do, do you feel that? Yeah, of course you feel it. And and yeah, it goes always like this. If you do something well, you you are expected to do better next time. Mm. And usually in, in cases like that, when you don't have the experience, it's not so easy to, to straight away step up if you have some good result. But uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's nice to to see that people start to do think like this because that's always what I think myself. Okay, <laughs> now, we have, now we have the podium. Now we need to get more. <laughs> and yeah, but anyway, it was it was nice that year. Uh, we we got the podium for sure. Then we had again some rallies which were not so good for us. And. Uh, Okay, we had only one. We had Mexico and then COVID. Yeah, it was 2020, yeah. wasn't it? 2020, yeah. the year yeah. of coronavirus. And yeah. we all left Mexico early. And that must have been frustrating for you because you, you're in the World Rally car. Bang, here we go with the season. And then the season is cut in half, pretty much. I mean, we were lucky to get as many rallies, I think, as we did that year. Yeah, of course. It was a bit strange. But I think at that point when the whole world is shutting down, I was not even thinking about rally so much. For no. sure, I was 
Yeah, no, I just took it as a good holiday, <laughs> having fun, <laughs> having fun and uh, good with, uh, with driving simulator and, and all that stuff, what everybody else was doing also. But yeah, at some point then we, we started to feel that, okay, we need to go back into the rally car and, <laughs> and start to do the things like everybody else in, in the world. Yeah, I think a lot of people were buying um, rally sims um, and we did a lot of esports stuff as well. Um, and obviously baking banana bread as, as the whole world did. Uh, other than doing the rally sim stuff, what else were you doing to keep yourself occupied that year? Um, not so much anything special. I, I at that time I, I moved into, into Estonia away from Finland um the same time when corona started basically so so yeah i was just trying to to enjoy life there it was quite quite nice summer long holiday um a lot of friends were visiting me and i was driving the simulator and and doing some some new sports what i didn't do before um like yeah. um we we started to like frisbee golf oh yes uh, i've played this it's this, harder than I expected it to be. Yeah, it is. And yeah, we went outside uh, outside to do that and play some paddle and stuff. So, so yeah, basically like like that. I didn't really really do anything special at that time because there was nothing really to do. No, there was nothing to do. That's right. It was kind of a frustrating time. But I think yeah. You're right, you kind of look at it as a big kind of holiday and it was nicer from that perspective. So we, we got back to rallying in 2020, but it was 2021 where we saw things really change around for you and leading the championship, your first wins, which I know, and again, we talk about expectation. A lot of people expected you to win in Estonia. So it wasn't really a surprise as such for everyone and maybe not for yourself as well, because I, you know, Every, you knew that everyone thought that and given your experience there, but it was that second win, which I found really quite remarkable at Acropolis rally, which really stood out for me last year. That was such an incredible performance. How did that feel? Because I know the Estonia win and the first win is always going to be special. The first is always special, but it was the second for me, which seemed to be far better for, I, I don't know, maybe because it was unexpected. <laughs> Um, yeah, of course, the Estonia one was quite quite clear that we should be fighting for it because already 2020 in, in Estonia we were fighting for it and then we get the puncture um, and yeah, then uh, Oit and the guys went went too yeah. fast with the puncture we lost too much time and yeah, we also had the time penalty and stuff and at that year I really really felt quite sad about the weekend because everything just went wrong for us uh, the mm -hmm. time penalty for for a stupid thing and then the puncture and and everything slipping away um yeah that was difficult and then next year in estonia i decided that this year we we need to we need to really do it we know it's it's gonna be difficult but then yeah we did a good job it came came and i was really not so surprised of course the first win is nice but it was not so special but yeah in increase in Acropolis that was uh that was quite proper job <laughs> yeah, it was a proper job it really was and you could see you your delight and Yona's delight at the end of that rally as well it was really 
euphoric that you know you'd you'd won there it was it was a great win in what is a historically a really tough event yeah that year it was quite tough weekend um it was maybe not so rough with the mm-hmm. rain and mud but it was difficult um in the recce the condition was re- really really difficult um i was feeling um really sick in in the recce i was uh i was quite quite sick the whole beginning of the week i i didn't sleep so much i was tired i was sure that this is gonna be be uh to be honest i was sure that it's gonna be a shit rally for us because i i felt that i couldn't prepare at all i was tired the whole week and and all the stages were new i had to make all the new pace notes and i couldn't even watch the videos properly because i i felt so bad in the evenings and i was sure that okay this weekend we just need to to make make it through somehow mm. and then after friday we were i think we were leading and and yeah then then on saturday the the party was really starting in the, in the morning <laughs> it was quite unusual to see it as rainy and as muddy as it was because i've done i don't know how many acropolis rallies i've done and they've always been bakingly hot and real car breakers it didn't seem to be maybe as rough but like you say the rain probably helped with that a little bit but you must be looking forward to going back there i guess yeah it was uh, it was nice nice event um it was nice to see that when when everybody needs to make uh, make new pace notes and the guys who have done all the other rallies it was nice to see that that we can really really compete quite well in in a situation like this that everybody are in the same level and they don't have so big experience gap on the on the on the stages yeah. So yeah, it was nice, nice to really that we can see and show the pace what we can do with the similar experience and yeah, everything went well and and hopefully this year it will be again a good event. We've only had two rounds so far. We've got a huge season ahead of us this year, and you're leading the championship heading into Croatia. Um, now we saw this situation obviously last year. How do you feel this time? You know, how how much has a year changed you? Would you say, in terms of you know the way you think about rallying? Does it does it get not easier, but does it get more straightforward? Maybe your approach to everything. I think so. It helps quite a lot to really really know just a bit better what's coming. Usually, you don't need mm. to need to be so stressed about about what's happening and what may becomes you know know already a bit what's coming and that that helps the most basically mm. um but yeah going into the croatia after last year which didn't go well um, <laughs> they've changed the first stage though that first stage is gone this year yeah i i saw that so that's good for us but uh, <laughs> But yeah, anyway, um, I think my expectations are not really so high for for Croatia because I I saw from last year and what I heard from the guys it was quite a tricky event with with the stages and the grip. Mm-hmm. It was quite slippy. It looked on the on the videos also what I saw before or after after the event that it was quite tricky. And and yeah, now when the guys have have the experience from from the full rally last year and we have five kilometers it's gonna be it's gonna be tricky and that's why i know that hopefully we just make some some good points from there and we can stay in the fight but that's when sometimes we get the best stories you know when someone has 
like you say, it didn't go well last year. You only have five kilometers under your belt and then you'll go there this year and then you'll be on the top step of the podium by a minute or something ridiculous. But, you know, sometimes it does go like that. Like people who have accidents at shakedown and then pull it around and, and win the rally. There's so many brilliant stories over the years in WRC. Um, obviously, Callie, you know, the target for you is, is to win the world championship and you're leading the championship now. You were in the mix for the title last year. Uh, you are going to be the youngest champion. I'm pretty positive of that. It, it, when it happens, who knows? It could be this year, could be next year. I'm hoping that's not something that's in your mind, though, that you are just tackling event by event. Or is it a thought that is kind of there at the back that you try and not think about too much? Um, of course, I I don't want to think about it too much after two rallies. Everybody knows that it's it's basically... It doesn't really matter at this point what what you you do really. Um, of course, we have good points now. We are mm. we are having good points, and and the main contenders for the championship have have quite a lot less few of them. So it's good. But yeah, I just know that I need to to keep working hard and and bring the points in every every rally, and and it's gonna be I think just more difficult all the time from now on. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I don't want to think about it too much. Of course, that's the main goal for for every driver that you you want to win the championship someday. And and yeah, I don't need to like the first win. I didn't think that I need to be the youngest one or something. But for sure, I I want to get it soon as possible because that's for me. It's not for the record or anything like yeah. that. Does the whole the youngest bug you at all? Are you kind of waiting for the day when? there is another younger person that can, they can be the baby of the championship and they can be the youngest, this, the youngest, that does it, does it peeve you at all? Or do you not mind? I don't really, I don't mind so much. Uh, I, I, I got used to it from, <laughs> from being eight years old. So yeah, it doesn't really matter for me so much. No, that's good. I'm not going to keep you too much longer, I promise. A few more questions for you. You've obviously been part of the Toyota team now for a good few years and, you know, some incredible characters who who have been there. Obviously, Tommy, who, who's moved on now. Um, but to be in a team alongside Sebastian Ogier, to have Elvin there, um, you know, you've got Yamo Leighton and Kai Lindstrom, people who have been around the sport for such a long time. And I'm, I know I'm missing some names here, but it's an incredible team to be part of I'm sure how much do you feel you're learning from people especially you know when you have someone like Sebastian Ogier come into the team who who brings up a level wherever he goes both him and Julian were so so professional do, do you feel you pick up anything from them or are you on your own path um of course it has been really nice few years with Toyota now I think the team spirit is is really good there. Everybody is working well together. Everybody is pushing all the time to to really get the results done. And and uh, you can really feel and see the motivation of the people at the factory and and in the rallies. Everybody is always pushing hard. So so that's nice. It makes us to push harder also. But yeah, for sure to to have Tom with the first two years. Um, it was nice. He was. Uh, he was really tough guy as as a competitor. Yeah. In all ways, he he was he was really one of the best, and and yeah, to have him 
supporting me when I went to my first rallies with double cigar. It, it was nice. I uh, I enjoyed working with him. And now now having Yari Matti also, it's quite similar. He has he has been ex driver a few years ago only. So but well, you were competing against him and now he's kind of like the team boss and yeah. how weird is that um i think it's not not so weird at all at okay i was thinking that that it can be a bit strange but i know it's it's quite really natural and he's doing his job well he's just supporting uh well and and i think that's the main thing what what you can do in that position and of course like you said, we have so many experienced co-drivers and yeah. uh, people in our team that uh, it's nice to learn from them. And also Seb and Elfin has been really, really nice teammates. They have been working hard. They have been fighting both years um, for the title. So, yeah, they have been the best, best uh, two years and it has been nice to, to see what they do. Your dad, when you had that first win in Estonia, I don't think I've ever seen anyone quite so emotional as when you won that that first event. He's he was just in tears. He could barely speak to us when we when we interviewed him. Um, what's it like, you know, kind of having him around on even if he's not on event, if he's back at home, especially in COVID times when no one could travel, you know, the communication back and forth between the two of you. Does he let you be, or is he, you know, kind of on the phone every five minutes? No, he has always just been in the background. Mm-hmm. Even even if he's not in the rallies, or even if he is, he we send one or two messages per day, maybe call, maybe not. So so yeah, he just tries to enjoy following the rally because he knows that he he cannot do much more than that. And yeah. uh, if, if I have some questions or. I need some tips, then I ask, and he is always happy to give them. But, but yeah, he knows that uh, the best thing with us is is that he just follows and and supports me. Well, that, well, that's great. And I was going to ask you, you know, do you ask for tips? So you obviously do ask for the occasional thing. What kind of thing would you ask him about? Would you say? Um, to be honest, I I haven't really asked so much because. It, I think it was over 10 years when he was in a double C rally when I went to my first one. So for sure, it's, it's quite clear that he, he cannot give so much more. The cars are completely different. The tires are different. Yeah. Everything is different. For sure, when we went the first time to Australia or, or Mexico or, uh, or Acropolis last year, he, he tells me what it was when he was driving the yeah. best way the best way he can describe the roads or the gravel or whatever but yeah that's that's basically the only thing he can do he can try to give me the info the best way he remembers and and can and yeah that's mainly mainly the thing what he can do (laughs) yeah i'm sure now earlier you said um that obviously being a rally driver is what you're doing now and there wasn't really anything in your mind about you know a future career there wasn't anything that stood out however I hear well I think I know of one vocation you could do because quite a few people have told me that um you like to sing and karaoke is your thing when you are chilling out I love your expression right now what (laughs) 
No, that has to be some joke, really. Who said that? I need to know who said that. Oh, I can't possibly reveal my sources, Kelly. <laughs> but yeah, apparently, you know, when you're winding down after a rally or if you're celebrating a win, then, you know, you like to get behind the microphone and belt out a few Finnish classics. Okay. Is this true? It, okay. And okay. I have to say that in some parties I have done it, but it's, I wouldn't say singing is my thing. <laughs> because next day when I see the video of it, it sounds horrible. It sounds so bad that I don't, I cannot even watch the video, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, but it's not well, about what you sound like, is it? It's like, well, the Japanese love to do it. Obviously, that's where it comes from. It's kind of a good, you know, release of energy, and everyone likes to do a bit of karaoke. Yeah. Uh, we sometimes with the friends we we do it for fun and and yeah i feel sorry for everybody who has been listening to it but yeah it, we, we do it sometimes but i cannot say it's my thing i have done it maybe i don't know six or seven times in my life so it's not that many times i was trying to think of a way how i could introduce this karaoke story into this podcast that was the way i've done it uh, so what's your go-to song then when you know you've, you've had a couple of beers you think right i'm gonna sing tonight tonight is my night what song do we go for um i always try to pick different one but okay. yeah some finnish classics what uh, what everybody knows and remembers because yeah i'm not so well listening to songs that i remember them so yeah we just pick some song what we what we think we know somehow and try to try to sing it <laughs> okay well I'm, I'm looking forward to the day when i actually see you behind the microphone because i was quite surprised by that story of you of all people of all the drivers i would not have thought would have liked to have sung but i'm delighted by it it's brilliant i love it yeah. i love it <laughs> okay the next win i want to see you singing um Tell me a little bit about home life with you. Where are you in the world? Where are you living at the moment? Um, so yeah, I've been living now few years in, in Estonia. Um, and then uh, yeah, sometimes I go to Finland, of course, to see family and friends for holidays. But yeah, mainly I, I live in Estonia. I have, uh, I have my friends and all the stuff there. And, and yeah, been living, living there now. And at home, are we, you know, are we good in the kitchen, Kali? Can we cook? If I come and visit you, would it be a gourmet meal or would you be serving me a pot noodle? What would it be? Actually, yeah, I can, I can cook something. Mm -hmm. Maybe, maybe not so, not so special food, but yeah, for sure. I can, I can cook. I can make my own foods and. And yeah, I like to also eat in the restaurants, restaurants quite a lot. So I don't always cook, but yeah, I can cook and I can manage myself in, in the kitchen also. <laughs> I actually, when I had COVID um, some time ago and I was a few weeks at home, I, I did some stories about cooking and, and all, the, all the people was loving it. So, so maybe that's something what I will do then after rally, I will start to, to make some cooking videos. I don't know. <laughs> Celebrity chef, Kalle Rolfenpera. I can see it happening. It could happen. Um, <laughs> I've loved hearing your, you know, your story, your your upbringing, and and all the things that you've done. But it's not just rallying that you're you're doing. You're drifting as well. Tell me a little bit about that because I don't really understand that. Have to be honest. I, I see it and I think it's super impressive. How how much of a change is that from what you do normally? Um, yeah, it's good fun. I have always liked drifting a lot when I was younger also. And then uh, maybe 2017 or 18, I had my first chance to drive 
drive like a professional drift car and after that I've been just uh, loving it it's really <laughs> really good fun um it's more uh, I think it's quite much more competitive sport than than people think it is if you don't know how how it works um maybe I will not go into the details of of how it works so much but yeah um it's a sport where uh, where the, there is three judges um basically it's not only about sliding the car and stuff nowadays um you need, you try to be fast as possible um you try to have big angle as possible and of course the line is really important the judge is making the line what you need to follow and mm. basically yeah that is the idea of drifting the first car tries to do the best line uh, in a best style and speed possible and the follow car has to try to mirror the first car so you need to be close as possible and do the exact same things than the car in front and yeah it's it's much more intense than what it seems from outside when when you do like 150 case entry into the corner and and full angle full throttle and and you are one meter from the car in inside of like on on the side of you and you try to follow him through the cloud of smoke and stuff it's it's really good fun Yes, it does sound it. It does sound it. Now we're a couple of weeks away from Croatia. When does your testing get underway? Um, uh, this week we have have testing and uh, and yeah, it's gonna be good to be back in the car and and back on tarmac. Yeah, I think and work to do from from Monte to to start the rally better than what we start in Monte, but hopefully we are already in the in the better shape. Do you know what, though? You turned it around in Monty. I was really worried about you Thursday night in Monty when you didn't seem to be able to get a, a grasp of, of the car. What, what was going on then back in Monty? Talk to me a little bit about that, then I promise I'll let you go. Um, because Thursday night was just like, oh, not great. You were outside the top 10. And then, you know, you, you walk away with a great result in comparison to what would have been. How did it turn around? What was the issue? Yeah, it was difficult. It was really <laughs> difficult. I don't know. I think... Uh, I was quite sure that it's it's a bit gonna be like this after testing. In the testing, I I didn't have even one run with the car where I felt that I really drive it fast enough. I just didn't really, at any point, I didn't really get the car to feel exactly how I want, and I didn't really understand and have the feeling how to push the car. And and I was a bit worried that yeah, if you're gonna do it in the test road, what you know very well it's gonna be much more difficult from the base notes yeah and yeah we were we were really really slow on, on Thursday and, and Friday beginning but then then we changed basically the whole whole balance and whole even the idea of of the setup of the car opposite way and then yeah then it started to work a bit better I think it was combination of getting the car much better for me and that way I I could start to drive the car much better so for sure yeah I, I improved myself a lot and, and the setup was the biggest reason for me to really get into the speed and and then being being almost the fastest on, on Saturday and, and Sunday yeah. was, was... It was remarkable. <laughs> it was a remarkable turnaround. We were just like, well, what's happened? <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm really glad. I mean, these new cars obviously take a bit of adapting too. And that was really evident, I think, on, on the Thursday evening because the times for everyone were just all over the place and I was a bit worried like oh hell is this the way it's going to go this weekend and then it all seemed to just filter back in for everyone and, and Sweden was an amazing event for you obviously 
So do you feel you're at one with a hybrid car? I would say at least on, on Sweden, I was really, really confident the car was good to drive and, and the hybrid and everything was, was quite clear how to use it. Um, I think it's going to be a bit more tricky again on tarmac like it was in Monte um, and on gravel. We don't know if we will have uh, still time to, to drive a bit more on gravel before, uh, before Portugal because for sure we didn't do so much gravel testing yet. So I think nobody can be yet fully 100% confident with the cars. But yeah, we are uh, going in the right direction, I hope. <laughs> you are. Two more questions for you. One, are you still gaming? I'm guessing you are. Yeah. Do you still wear your onesie gaming? Sometimes. I saw that on Twitch and I thought that was amazing. Was it like a pig onesie or something? I know it was pink. Yeah, it was like <laughs> unicorn. Unicorn. Ah, there we go. <laughs> Unique unicorn. And a lot of people out there will probably know now from your latest post on Twitter or a couple of weeks ago that you're quite the dog lover because your dog featured heavily on your Twitter post. It was you, your dad, and everyone, well, including me, was fixated with the dog that you were trying to keep warm and under your jacket. You're a big dog lover, yes? Yeah, yeah, I, I have uh, have the dog, uh, which was in the in the picture. Yeah, uh, I, I, yeah, I really, really love him a lot. It's it's hard to be away from home because I can see him in Finland mainly, and and sometimes when I know I'm longer time in. In Estonia, I, I always try to take him with me there. And, and yeah, I, I love all the animals. I also have a horse, a race yeah. horse. Yeah. And uh, we also had horses when when mom was living in, in Pupula. Also, we had horses at home. And now I have my own race horse also. So I love all the animals quite a lit. So you're, you race? You No, I, no, I don't, don't race with horse, but, but the horse is like... Uh, um, She's now only a few years old. Okay. So after a few years, we start to compete. But uh, I, I'm not doing the, the, the racing. It, that's too dangerous for sure. Sometimes I, I do ride horses. When I was, I was little, I, I, ride, I was riding horses more. Now yeah. I try to do it once a year always or a few times. It's good fun. And yeah, I just, I just love all the animals and, and yeah. dogs. I love that you said horse riding is more dangerous <laughs> than what you do. I suppose yes. you're more exposed. You're you're protected in your car, aren't you? Yes. Uh, were you? How much were you following your dad in Rally Mexico during the weekend? Yeah, we was watching the times all the time. For sure, for sure it was difficult when it was coming uh, during the night. But for yeah. sure, first first thing in the morning, I was checking the times. And and yesterday, I was calling him him after the rally that how how it was, how it felt, and and yeah. For me, it was cool to see all the pictures, him yeah. in the racing suit, like in the old times and, and driving there. And did he enjoy it? Yeah, I think so. I think uh, we will talk more now. He was quite busy because the rally was just ending yesterday. But uh, but yeah, hopefully he was enjoying. And actually, already a few years, I have been pushing him to, to get some car for him and, and do some local events in Finland and drive a bit more. Yeah, that would be brilliant. We would love to see that. Callie, thank you for sharing so much of your time with me today. It's been a real pleasure getting to know you a bit more. Um, and I think maybe we'll revisit this po this podcast in about 10 years' time and talk more about your career then and, and what's happened then. But I'll see you in Croatia. Thank you very much. Thank you. See you.
For more great World Rally Championship content, head to WRC Plus with its thousands of hours of archive footage and exclusive live programming, event review shows and extensive onboards. Special features too on some of the legends of the sport. This is all available at wrcplus.com, the digital online home of the World Rally Championship.